Hello and welcome to the Erwin Mitchell podcast. My name is Zara Fabani and I'll be your host today. We're going to explore how you can find love in later life and how you protect yourself personally and financially. It's Valentine's Day and it's all about love. But it can also be about feeling lonely. So as I said, today we're going to explore love in later life. You might be divorced or widowed and have grown up children. You might be feeling that you want to take that leap of faith and find love again, but you just don't know how. Today I'm joined by two colleagues from Erwin Mitchell, Sarah Balfour, a family law partner like myself, and Emma McCann, who leads our later life segment here at Erwin Mitchell and is a private client partner. And I'm delighted to say that our guest speaker joining us today is Rachel McGlynn from the Vida Consultancy, which is an exclusive matchmaking agency. So let's dive straight into this. Rachel, let's start with love rather than law. Now, we all know the old adage, once bitten, twice shy. So do you see many mature clients or people later in life looking for love on your website? And is it a different process for them than it is for others? I mean, I wonder, are they understandably far more discerning? Well, first of all, uh, hello, Zara, and thank you for having me. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes, around 30% of our clients would place themselves as being in that later stage of life. Um, and I would say that the matchmaking process, is, it's broadly the same regardless of age or life stage. One difference that we would find, however, is that the individual goals that people set and the level of personal insight that they have can usually be quite different. So people who are later in life, they will have um, sort of slightly different goals and, and a higher level of personal insight. And clients in later life more discerning, yes, um, in many ways. Um, and, and that can be a very good thing because their identity will be more set. Um, I would say that one, one huge benefit of finding love in later life is that you, because your identity is set, you know what your own core values are and therefore it becomes more straightforward to work out who you're compatible with. Regardless of, of any client that we take on, um, we work through five key steps. So it's sort of matchmaking system that we've developed over the last 10 years. And those five steps start with the first stage, which is understanding what your own core values are. Um, from there, we're then able to move to the second step, which is recognizing the type of partner that you would be compatible with, because your compatible partner is someone who should live and breathe life in a similar way to you. Uh, they should have similar similar values. They don't have to be exactly the same, but they should be similar or complementing. And once we identify then who the, the type of person that would be compatible with a client, we also reflect, uh, which is the third step, on the dynamics of the actual relationship. Um, so what roles do uh, each person want to play in the relationship? Are they looking for something that's perhaps very traditional? Or more so in, in with clients in later life, what we would tend to see is maybe some kind of relationship set up where it's like a bit of a hybrid scenario, I suppose, uh, two people spending periods of time in their own respective homes and cohabiting uh, at times, but not exclusively. Um, so they still have a level of independence. Once we identify all of that, then the, the fourth step in our process is putting together a, a plan or a strategy, really. Um, and this is where uh, I know it sounds very unromantic, but a lot of people just don't have a plan. They throw themselves into dating, fly by the seat of their pants, so to speak, and just hope for the best. And that is why they end up feeling so despondent and um, you know maybe quite frustrated and feeling hopeless. So but having a plan and a strategy is super, super important. Um, and that's a big part of the role that we play as matchmakers. Um, and by doing that, well, then we can allow our clients to much more seamlessly move into the fifth stage, which is dating 
with meaning and purpose um, because dating, especially if you're in later life, if you're a, a, a more discerning type individual, you're, you've had a good career, you've got a lovely lifestyle, you don't want to just be throwing yourself out there, meeting people left, right and centre without any you know, real confidence that there's merit to it. Um, so we will make sure that uh, our clients are introduced to people where there is meaning and purpose. There is some logic there uh, and, and some potential for, for real relationship success coming from the date. That's fantastic and so interesting in depth. I don't think people think about it so much in that way. And, you know, personally, I have found love later in life. And I do think you know who you are. You know what you want. And I, I do feel like it feels differently to me anyway. Thanks for that, Rachel. Okay. Sarah, turning to you and looking at a little bit more legally, if you like, what do you see? Do you find that mature clients vote more with their heads and their hearts, particularly when it comes to, say, wealth protection? And what do you find matters more to them you know Rachel has touched upon the fact that you know people have their financial wealth they have a way of living their life what are you seeing when you're speaking to clients hi Zara and uh, happy Valentine's Day everyone as well yeah no I think that's a really interesting question I think like with later life clients they there is a balance between heart and head I think they are very much led by their hearts in that they they want to love it's important but as you and Rachel have both said, they have their core values that have been set. They know who they are and perhaps they're not as willing to compromise on those. Perhaps also um, people who are finding love, perhaps for the second or third time, they have assets that they have built up previously that they have worked very hard to build up they have children that they might have from previous relationships and they want to make sure that if things do go wrong because sometimes they do you know life isn't it, it's not possible to predict exactly how life is going to treat us in the future they want to make sure that those children or those assets are, are protected so from that perspective I, I think that they do think with their head and they want to protect themselves as you said they want to protect wealth um, and they want to protect those adult or, or, or still young children that they have I think that's so important, isn't it? It is a balance between head and heart. And I think as you get older, both matters. And I think that's really important for, for, for a lot of our listeners. Emma, coming to you, I know that there are, there are a lot of statistics around people not having a will in place. But what about people later in life? Are they more clued up? And have they got their affairs in order in terms of what they want to happen, not only on their death, but if they're going to go into another relationship or remarry or live with somebody else, what are you seeing the state of play for people later in life? Well, firstly, hello and um, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. So I think it varies a lot, if I'm honest. What you will tend to find if, if someone has come across circumstances in the past where maybe something hasn't gone quite right, they may be more attuned to putting their own affairs in order, but you will get an awful lot of people that just haven't thought about it. They get swept along. They're absolutely delighted that they're in a new relationship as they should be. And they just don't think about the practical sides. And it's completely different second, third, fourth time round when, like Sarah just said, you have assets that are built up. You have previous children from other relationships. You have a whole new level of protection that you really need to think about. And I think, you know, sometimes people just need to be reminded of that. That rather than just going sort of all in, you know, all guns blazing, not thinking about the the practicalities of it all, he's just putting some of these things in place right at the beginning 
when you're still thinking about it. Yes, I know it doesn't come across very romantic when you think about it like that, but it saves so much hassle further down the line when you've already had those conversations and you already understand what each other wants in terms of finances and and ultimately what happens when you pass away. Emma, it's all about communication, isn't it? I mean, the, the earlier that you communicate, not just about your feelings of love and cherishing each other, but also some practical communication about how to look after each other. I think that's just so incredibly important. So, Rachel, coming back to you, what is the average age of people on your website or in your agency? Is 60 the new 30? And what support does your company offer people looking for love? Because I think particularly later in life, if you get a knockback or a rejection and if you've been bereaved or divorced, I don't know, it feels to me that it might be incredibly more painful than it ordinarily would. Well, the average age of our members will, I mean, I think has always been in around the the late 40s mark. One thing I have noticed on the back of the pandemic, actually, is that the range of ages has changed dramatically over the last two years. Um, So now we're having a lot of clients as, as young as in their 20s, but also right up to into their late 70s coming to us. So, I mean, yeah, I would say 60 is the new 30. I mean, why why not? be embracing that later stage in life. Maybe you've got newfound freedom and just get yourself out there and look look for love, but just go about it in a considered way. It, it is, it can be nerve wracking um, and, you know, people can be coming out of um, experiencing bereavement or maybe divorce. And all of those uh, factors need to be considered very carefully, of course. So we, we're we aware of that. We're very, very experienced in dealing with all sorts of factors like that. So we offer huge levels of support. And we will find that you know if someone is in a later stage of life, that it is more likely that they will have experienced some kind of divorce or bereavement. So we're very prepared for that. Um, over 50% of our team have a degree, master's or PhD in psychology. So yeah, we can offer support with it, with whatever they've been through. I love that, Rachel, because it's almost is about loving yourself before you can love somebody else. And I love the fact that you're taking the clients on this journey to really make them open to to love and, and that prospect again in life. I, I just think that's incredible. So coming to you again, Sarah. So we've touched on children of parents looking for love later in life. And I think they can understandably be worried, particularly if that parent is wealthy. You know, they'll be concerned about their parents' financial security as well as perhaps their own inheritance. I mean, they might not want to say that up front, but I think that's okay to say out loud. What can people do to protect money down the bloodline? Yeah, so so there's a, there's a couple of things there, Zara, that, that I would say. So, so firstly, if you are an adult child and you're looking at, at your parents that, that may be embarking uh, upon new relationships, it is it, it, it's natural to feel concerned and, and worried. And, and I would say, you know, think back to perhaps what it was like in your teenage days when when you were embarking upon dating and and what role did your parents play in, in that process? How happy were you with with their perceived interference or their guidance to so put yourself in their shoes? Your, your parents are, are adults um, and they should be allowed to make their own decisions and, and allowed to make decisions that, that make them happy. So for me, that would be the first piece of advice. And although you may have um, 
an expectation of, of inheritance in the future. Ultimately, um, in most cases, it, it, it's again your, your parents' decision about what they want to do. So I think that that is what I would say. But secondly, there is nothing wrong in the same way as they may have done with you is talking about options, talking about protecting themselves when they go into that new relationship. So uh, as Emma touched on before, communication is always key. And that's true within the relationship and within family relationships. So I would say have an honest discussion about what a new relationship means in terms of practicalities and the legal side of, of things, because actually the way that you enter into a relationship can have very significant financial uh, legal repercussions. So, for example, if you are living with somebody, if you're going to move them into a house that you own, you may want to think about entering into a cohabitation agreement. You may want to ensure that they don't uh, somehow acquire an interest in that property which you want to retain. Similarly, um, if you're entering into a marriage, um, marriage creates very wide ranging responsibilities that can last during lifetime and on death. So you should really think about taking advice on the legal implications of, of your relationship and what's going to happen. And I don't think there's anything wrong. In fact, it would be sensible for children to talk to their parents about that process and you know, taking advice, obtaining the relevant information means that you can make and your parents can make an informed choice. And for me, that's what it's all about, making informed choices based on having correct advice. I couldn't agree more with that. It, you know, for clients, we're always talking about choice and options. And I absolutely agree, Sarah, that people taking some early advice and protecting themselves, it can make the journey and the process much easier for them. Thank you for that. Emma, from a legal point of view, I know it can be more tax efficient to marry, which might not be very romantic, but it can be hugely practical. And as Sarah is saying, sometimes we need to look at the practicalities. And also, if you live with somebody, but if you're not married to them, they're not your next of kin. That can create problems. So tell me, do you come across cases where people marry for financial and personal protection as opposed to love? We have come across cases like that, absolutely. Probably not that often, but it's definitely featured in conversations with people. And I have known clients that have done that. I think, like Sarah was saying, it is all about having that advice and having that knowledge because people don't always understand the difference between marriage and cohabitation and what that is from a legal point of view. And again, if you can have that conversation at the beginning of a relationship and just have that level of understanding as to not only what that means in terms of where assets might pass and how you protect assets, but what that might mean from a tax perspective, particularly if somebody is, is, is wealthier, then again, they're all factors that need to be taken into account. So it's it's really important to have the knowledge. And if you've got the knowledge and you've got that advice, then you can make those decisions that 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 suit everybody and that are going to be going to be the right ones moving forward. Thank you for that. I think knowledge is is incredible. Having the knowledge and giving the getting the advice. I think that's crucial. Thank you for that. So, Rachel, it's Valentine's Day. Great for some people, but, but incredibly lonely for others. What advice would you give to people who are reflecting today and feeling lonely, 
but feeling so very unsure about dating again, whether it be with an agency or whether it be online. They just don't know what to do or how to do it. It can really, you know, disable or paralyze people. What advice would you give to them? Well, Zara, the reality is that most people feel unsure about dating. We survey everyone who uh, registers with us as a as a member, and um, the vast majority are feeling uncertain, despondent, unclear about what the plan is. The reassuring news is that it's actually quite simple to remedy. Um, I know what needs to be done to help people to feel good again about dating and to have that clarity and focus. My advice really to anyone listening who's maybe in that position is approach dating with a growth mindset. It's super, super important. You want to be setting a goal and you want to create a plan in the same way that you would plan for any other goal that you want to achieve, whether it's financial goal, weight loss, whatever, we've all done it. And I know going back to what I've said before, a lot of what I'm saying at the moment does sound very unromantic, but if you take the emotion out of the planning stage, then believe me, you will still have those feelings of butterflies in your stomach and um, experiencing that those beautiful feelings of romance and love when the time is right and when you've met the right person um, and offer some preliminary advice to set you off in the right direction. Oh, Rachel, I couldn't agree more. Have a plan. I know myself that I dated later in life and I was so worried about losing or missing out on that feeling of love at first sight. But even though I, I did it online, when I met my husband for our first date 10 years ago uh, today, I fell in love at first sight. It happened. I had the butterflies. It was an incredible feeling. And I was always very worried about not having a shared history because we both had other relationships, lived other lives, if you like. But you learn so much about each other and you go on a new journey together and it can be just as incredible. So I couldn't agree more about having a plan. Congratulations, Sarah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I, I hopefully, you know, I, I want to spread this message out to people because it's never too late and you should always have hope. But Sarah, coming to you, what's your advice to people in this later life space from a purely practical point of view? Clearly, if they don't want to marry or live with someone, they're protecting their money for themselves and their bloodline. They can stay single and they can they can do have that sort of legal and financial protection. What's your advice to these people? Yeah, so so if you stay single, then yes, absolutely, you will protect your bloodline, you will protect your assets, you will protect yourself from from potential claims along the way. But I appreciate that that might not make for the most fulfilling of lives, and that may not not be what people want. Um, so my advice would be, if you do want to to find love, if you have found love, then think about what really matters to you during your lifetime um, in the event of separation, in the event of your death and take some advice on the options that are available to you. So if you are living with someone, think about something like a cohabitation agreement where you set out what your assets are, how you deal with them during the relationship and, and what happens to them in the event that you separate. Because that just means that there's no nasty surprises. There's no uncertainty. You both know what's going to happen and you go into it hoping and wishing that your relationship will last forever but agreeing what will happen in the event that it doesn't um, exactly the same when it comes to, to marriage in fact perhaps a little bit more important because marriage in English law creates very significant financial responsibilities for the parties to that marriage. So really important that, that you think about it and talk about it and a lot of what we've talked about today about 
planning for relationships and when you're in relationships it is about you know is that unromantic is it is it unromantic to to plan and think about these things in this way and my view has always been no actually if you're able to sit down and have a constructive discussion where you confirm you know your absolute commitment to each other but say that actually if we do separate if we do grow apart then we will retain that mutual respect so we won't drag each other through the cause we won't you know try to to take advantage of the other we will actually abide by what we have sat down and agreed to be fair actually that that degree of mutual respect and understanding the ability to reach that agreement for me is romantic because it shows that that you value that civility uh, above everything else so so I think if you do it right then those discussions can be romantic and they can offer you a great deal of certainty for the future and I think isn't the key Sarah at the end of the day maybe take some advice speak to somebody and then just make your own decisions because they might not want to do they might say well you know what I'm just going to jump in with both feet and it'll be what it'll be but as long as they've taken the advice and thought about it then that's okay that's your choice yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So so unfortunately, I see a number of people who didn't take advice. So they didn't appreciate the consequences of the decisions that they were making. Um, and, and for me, that's the worst case scenario, because you, you just don't know. You haven't been able to make an informed choice because you weren't informed. So if you are able to take those proactive steps um, to get the information and advice that you require, that then ultimately we're all adults, we make our own decisions, but the ability to make an informed decision it, it is very, very important. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Sarah. So Emma, similar question to you, really. What advice do you think is crucial to people later in life from a legal standpoint, if they're thinking of remarrying or living with somebody, when they're considering their wills and their personal tax affairs around all those issues? What do you think is important for them to focus on? I agree with what Sarah was saying, to be honest. I mean, it's about having those conversations. It's about having the knowledge, getting the advice that you need, not being scared to do it. A lot of people think that writing wills is a scary thing. Talking about death is a scary thing. But again, if you don't want to leave things in a mess or make things more difficult for your family, then it's much, much better to have those conversations during lifetime. The other thing that's incredibly important for people to consider is, is something like a lasting power of attorney. If somebody becomes ill later in life and they want somebody to look after their affairs for them, you need to have in place a lasting power of attorney. You wouldn't want in that situation there to be arguments between your, your spouse or your cohabitee and your adult children. That would just make the whole situation 10 times worse. So again, it's about having that that knowledge and just thinking about some of these practical things. You know, how would some of these things pan out and how would certain people feel in these situations? You know, it can be very upsetting sometimes if a, if a, if a child feels like they're being pushed out because a, a new spouse is making decisions or something or the other way around. So again, just think about everybody, I think, and just have those conversations as early as you can and, you know, move, move it a little bit further up the to-do list. I see a lot of people thinking about it and continuing to think about it and, and then sadly something will happen and that will push it to the top. But it's just, you know, like what Sarah was saying, you know, everybody everybody is is able to make their own decisions. Maybe they don't decide to do certain things, but at least you've you've been through that process and you've understood what that means for everybody involved. I, I, I think that's really invaluable advice, Emma. And I think it's all about loving people in life and in death. 
It's not just about loving people in a moment. And love isn't just love. It's trust, honesty and respect and communication. So let's do it in life and death. Let's think about people at all times. Thank you for that. So, Rachel, your final thoughts, please. You're in this very happy space of helping people find love. Inspire us. Is there hope for everyone, regardless of age and stage? There is absolute hope, Zara. Anyone out there looking for love, it can and it will happen if you go about it in the right way. I'll share a story with you, story that is very close to my heart and, and very much tugged on my own heartstrings, I would say. Um, it was a, a client I worked with a few years ago and he he was widowed and he found himself being single, uh, very much in the sort of later stage of life. And he came to meet me initially because he had he had just no idea. He was still very much grieving at the time, absolutely heartbroken. And he was he was nervous. He was lonely. He was scared. He didn't know if anyone would want to meet him. Um, he didn't know if he was in any way matchable. Um, he couldn't see his situation through my lens which was seeing a, a, a very lovely person um, who had a lot of love to give when the timing was right. I knew that he would be very matchable, but there was an awful lot of things that we had to factor in um, in the sort of early stages of working together. Um, so going back to the, the sort of five steps in the, the matchmaking process that I described earlier, we spent the early stage of his uh, membership, my time working with him, really very gently um, exploring what his own values are starting to build up a hypothetical description about the type of person that um, that he would be looking for in this new chapter in his life, but going about it in a very delicate way because he he was still grieving at the time. So um, I had to be, be just be very considered with uh, the timings in which I was doing everything and starting to give him hope and inspiration by um, allowing him and uh, giving him the platform to really paint that picture of what this future relationship would look like and and how that would impact his his children and where he might live and and everything but by doing that it gave him hope we spent a lot of time doing those three stages and then I put together the plan for him and then we waited we waited until the time was right and then when he was eventually ready to start dating we took it very very gently and he he met a series of people uh, that we that we explored together um, in terms of the profiles um, that I thought would be right for him um, I met a series of people just for very relaxed coffees um, and with the kind of view to let's take it a step at a time as I said before um, allow some sort of level of friendship to form don't think about the romantic side of things just yet and uh, anyway so um, he he met uh, one particular lady who he got on with very well on a friendship basis they um, formed a friendship that developed over a few months and then when the timing was right that friendship naturally progressed into something more romantic from there before they knew it without really having to think about it with too much effort it became um, a committed romantic relationship and to this day they're still together still committed um, and from what I understand still very happy and he yeah he, I mean he's gone through such a transformation in his life over the last few years um, and I will say it happened to him um, and if it can happen for him it can happen to anybody. Oh, Rachel, that is a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you to all my panel today. It's been great speaking to you all. And I hope it's given everybody food for thought. We believe collectively that you should take that leap of faith. Find love again. You can do it with some planning, with some coaching, with some advice. You can protect your heart and your head. 
that you can do this. So that's all we have time for today. But what I want to leave you with is a positive message to say that whoever you are and whatever your circumstance, you are not alone. There is somebody out there in the same boat as you who understands how you feel. And there are people out there like us willing to help you. Today, more than any other day, is a day to reach out to somebody who you know might be feeling lonely and perhaps give them a lift. Thank you for listening to this Urban Mitchell podcast. If you found it interesting, then please do join us again for our next episode. Until then, stay safe and stay well. Thanks very much. <laughs>